In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. Almighty God, our Maker and Redeemer, we poor sinners confess unto thee that we are by nature sinful and unclean, and that we have sinned against thee by thought, word, and deed. Wherefore we flee for refuge to thine infinite mercy, seeking and imploring thy grace for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. O most merciful God, who hast given thine only begotten Son to die for us, have mercy upon us, and for his sake grant us remission of all our sins. And by thy Holy Spirit increase in us true knowledge of thee and of thy will, and true obedience to thy word, that by thy grace we may come to everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, hath had mercy upon us, and hath given his only Son to die for us, and for his sake forgiveth us all our sins. To them that believe on his name, he giveth power to become the sons of God, and bestoweth upon them his Holy Spirit. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Grant this, O Lord, unto us all. Be merciful unto me, O Lord, for I cry unto thee daily. For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive, and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Bow down thine ear, O Lord, hear me, for I am poor and needy. Let us pray to the Lord. For the peace that is from above and for the salvation of our souls, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the churches of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. this holy house, and for them that in faith, piety, and fear of God offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, pity, and defend us, O God, by thy grace. Glory be to God on high.
The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O Lord, we pray thee that thy grace may always go before and follow after us, and make us continually to be given to all good works. Through thy Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, one God, world without end. The epistle for today, the 16th Sunday after Trinity, is written in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, reading there in the third chapter, beginning at the 13th verse. Brethren, I beg you then not to lose heart over my sufferings for you. Indeed, they are your glory. With this in mind, then, I kneel in prayer to the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name, that out of the treasures of his glory he may grant you strength and power through his Spirit in your inner being, that through faith Christ may dwell in your hearts in love. With deep roots and firm foundations may you be strong to grasp with all God's people what is the breadth and length and height and depth of the love of Christ, and to know it, though it is beyond knowledge. So may you attain to fullness of being, the fullness of God himself. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or conceive by the power which is at work among us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus from generation to generation evermore. Amen. Here ran the epistle for the day. The heathen shall fear the name of the Lord, and all the kings of the earth thy glory. When the Lord shall build up Zion, he shall appear in his glory. Alleluia, alleluia. O oh, sing unto the Lord a new song, for he hath done marvelous things. Alleluia. And the Holy Gospel for today, the 16th Sunday after Trinity, is written in the 7th chapter of St. Luke, beginning at the 11th verse. Afterwards, Jesus went to a town called Nain, accompanied by his disciples and a large crowd. As he approached the gate of the town, he met a funeral. The dead man was the only son of his widowed mother, and many of the townspeople were there with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, A week no more. With that, he stepped forward and laid his hand on the bier, and the bearers halted. Then he spoke, Young man, rise up. The dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Deep awe fell upon them all, and they praised God. A great prophet has arisen among us, they said, and again God has shown his care for his people. Here endeth the gospel for the day. Let us confess our Christian faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I bid a Christian welcome to our visitors and guests who are worshiping with us this morning. We are very happy to have you with us, and we shall appreciate it if you will take time to sign the guest registry before you leave church today. We always have a nursery in operation during the times of our worship services and also during the Sunday school hour. We have an elevator for your convenience that you may reach the sanctuary without climbing stairs. We have air conditioning for our comfort. Sunday school will follow this service at 9.15 with classes for all ages, second service at 10.30, and that service on the air at 10.45 as usual over the Marion Station. 
The catechetical class has started yesterday. They will continue next Saturday morning. I think you will find the information in the bulletin. We would like to have your children for the classes in religious education. A number of you have asked when will the adult lectures begin on the Christian religion. May I say that they will start three weeks from tomorrow night. That will be on the second Monday night in October, October the 9th at 7.30. Perhaps there will be someone in your circle of friends who would like to listen to an explanation of the Christian faith. We will have nursery provisions made for the Monday night lecture series, if you will mark your calendars. At this time, I would like to read a letter to you that I read to the vestry last Wednesday night. I presume quite a number of you have already heard about it. It is dated September the 13th, 1972. Dear members of Vestry, being fully convinced that this is God's will, I wish to announce my retirement as pastor of Emmanuel Congregation. This retirement to take place on Sunday, December the 31st of this year, 1972. This retirement will mark the completion of 35 years as pastor of Emmanuel Congregation and the completion of 30 years as radio pastor of Emmanuel Congregation. My earnest and sincere prayer is that God will continue to bless Emmanuel Congregation in the future as he has in the past. Sign yours in his service, your pastor. I asked the vestry last Wednesday night if the members would be so kind as to give me a unanimous approval of my declaration of retirement, and uh, they did so, and I appreciate that very much. It was done with reluctance, but it was. I have contacted the district president's office, and we will be hearing from our district president just as soon as he can reach us. And then there will be plans made for the calling of a new pastor. Now, after an anthem by Emmanuel's choir, we shall unite in singing hymn number 72, Savior when in dust to thee.
Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us hear the word of God as we find it written in St. Luke's Gospel, reading there in the 17th chapter, beginning at the 7th verse. But which of you, having a servant plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him by and by, when he is come from the field, Go and sit down to meat, and will not rather say unto him, Make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself, and serve me, till I have eaten and drunken, and afterwards thou shalt eat and drink? Doth he thank that servant, because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not. So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, We are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Good morning, dear friends, in Christ Jesus. It is good to be here in God's house to worship, I am sure, and I hope we are all glad to be here. Today is the 16th Sunday after Trinity. The word of God that I just read tells a parable that Jesus spoke. It's called the parable of the unprofitable servant. He spoke it at the time when he was over in the region east of the Jordan in Perea. There were before him his apostles and his followers. It's a rather unusual parable because it's in the form of a question. And Jesus said to his followers that day in this parable, he said, which of you, if you had a servant out in the field who was plowing the field and who was feeding the cattle, who when he had finished the job came in in the evening, uh, which one of you would say, oh, come in, I've got a meal all prepared for you. Uh, Jesus said, you wouldn't do that now, would you? Because the servant out in the field was doing his duty. He was doing his job. He was doing that which you had commanded him to do. And therefore, you wouldn't have a special meal for him. Now, would you? And the answer, of course, would be no. Uh, Jesus said, wouldn't you rather do this if you had the servant? That when he came in, you would say, now you may get ready and change your clothes and prepare a meal for me. And after you have served me and I have eaten, then you may sit down and that you may eat. And then Jesus says, now, if you had a servant like that who was doing his duty, uh, would you give him big special thanks because he had done his job, the thing that you had commanded? And Jesus said, I'm sure you wouldn't give him special thanks. And then Jesus says, so likewise ye, when ye have done all things that have been commanded, you say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. What was Jesus talking about? Even as Jesus was saying to them, if you had a servant like that, would you feel that you owed him something special? And so Jesus says, in the same way, I want you to know this, my apostles and my followers, that when you have done everything as one of my followers, when you have done everything that has been commanded you and you've done your duty, be sure to say to yourselves, we are unprofitable servants. We are undeserving servants to say, God, you don't owe me salvation and eternal life at all. And so today Jesus speaks to you and me in this parable as Christians. And he says to you and he says to me this morning, when we have done everything that has been commanded of us in our Christian life, when we have done the good deeds whereby we have lived a moral life, when we have done those deeds of mercy and kindness to our fellow man, when you and I have done those deeds where we have endured many things for him, Jesus says, when you have done everything that is expected of you as a Christian, I plead with you, remember this and never forget it. Be sure to say to yourselves, we are unprofitable servants to say, God, I am undeserving of eternal life. You don't owe me salvation. God, I have no claim on you whatsoever. You are not obligated in any way, shape, or form to save me because of my deeds, because of what I have done. You and I may say that's hard to believe that Jesus calls to you and me Write it on your hearts, never forget it. Keep it uppermost at the end of every day when you look at your Christian life and you look at all of the good deeds that you have done, deeds of goodness and kindness and mercy and endurance. Jesus says, I plead with you, never forget for a moment. Hold it steadfast 
be sure always to say, I am an unprofitable servant. I am undeserving God. You don't owe me salvation and eternal life at all. And we may say this is hard to believe that Jesus would say, this is so urgent and I plead you never forget it. Because we may say, what's so important about saying in your Christian life and mine, when we have done the good deeds that we're supposed to do and our duty, when we have lived that moral life that God asked us to live as a Christian, when we have gone out of our way to show mercy and kindness, and when we have endured again the criticism and the cynicism of individuals, Jesus said, but be sure, never forget to say, God, you don't owe me a thing. God, you don't owe me eternal life. In view of all of my deeds, you don't owe me salvation at all. And we'd say, what is so important and so vital and so urgent? And Jesus would remind you and me this morning, whether we realize or not, that this is an absolute must. That as Christians in our Christian life from day to day, we've got to keep it in mind and never under any circumstances forget it, that we are unprofitable servants. That you and I can say to God, God, you don't owe me salvation at all. This is an absolute essential, we may say, why is this so essential? Why is this a matter of life and death that in your Christian life and mine every day that we never for a moment forget to say to ourselves when we look at all the things that we have done as Christians, but God, you don't owe me eternal life. You don't owe me a thing. I have no claim on you whatsoever. Jesus would remind you and me this morning that this is a matter of life and death. This is a matter of tremendous importance because Christ says, when we do this, when we say, I'm never going to forget this, whatever I accomplish in my Christian life, whenever we say, I'm going to keep on reminding myself and never forget it, then Jesus says, this will be a big preventive. This is an antidote that you and I will not slip into the sin and the error of work righteousness. What happens in your Christian life and mine when we forget this for a moment? What happens when you and I may look at our life and say, look at all the things that I've done for you. Look at the life that I've lived as a Christian. Look at the mercy and the kindness that I've done. Look at all the things that I have endured, Lord Jesus, for you. When we forget then to say, but you don't owe me salvation, then we say, but you do owe me salvation. And that means that we have slid into the sin of work righteousness. It means we're telling God, God, I am saving myself. I'm working my own way to heaven. But what does the scripture say about this? How many of us feel that by our deeds and by our goodnesses that God owes us something? The least that God owes us is eternal life and everlasting salvation. But what does the word of God say? Doesn't the word of God say there is not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not? Doesn't the word of God say that all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags? Doesn't the word of God say who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean not one? If in your life and mine, when we live the Christian life and we fail to write it on our souls and to remember this, that God, you owe me nothing. You don't owe me eternal life. Well, then we slip over and we say, God, yes, you do owe me something. You, you are indebted to me, God. You are under obligation to save me. And that means that we're saving ourselves. And you may say, is that so terrible that we say to God, look at all I've done for you. You ought to save me. Well, the horrible thing about it is this, that what we're doing, whether we realize it or not, we are saying, God, I don't need Jesus Christ as my Savior. He could have stayed in heaven. I'm going to be my own Savior. And when you and I spit upon Jesus Christ, when we may do it, oh, with all kinds of, uh, of competence, and we may do it in seeming courtesy, whenever we turn to Christ and say, I don't need you, then what are we saying? God, we didn't need the Word of God. We didn't need the 4,000 years preparation that you took in sending Christ into the world. We didn't need to have you shape the destiny of nations that after 4,000 years you established the nation of Israel. And from Israel there came the Savior. Then we're saying to God, I don't need a Savior. This is why Jesus says, please, I urge you, in your Christian life every day, whatever you do, whatever you accomplish, and all those good deeds and those kind things and the merciful things, and whatever you endure, don't ever forget for a moment to be able to say, I am an unprofitable servant. I am not worthy. God, you don't owe me eternal life. Because it means this tragedy that we have repudiated Jesus Christ, made ourselves our own Savior, and we have said to Jesus, you could have stayed in heaven. You didn't have to come into the world to save me. Is it any wonder 
that Jesus, in speaking to his followers, he told them there, in this parable, it's a tremendous thing. When you've done everything, when, as a Christian, Jesus says, you have done all those deeds, good deeds, moral deeds, deeds of mercy and kindness, that you have endured everything, Jesus says, don't for a moment ever forget this, to always say, but I am an unprofitable servant. God, I'm not deserving of anything. You don't owe me eternal life. We may say, why? What's so all-fired important about that? Why is that a matter of life and death? Because Jesus reminds you and me also that when we do this, when we look at our Christian life, whatever has been accomplished in our lives, and we say, but God, you don't owe me a thing. You don't owe me eternal life. Then this is a preventive in your life and mine. It'll keep us from forgetting the fact that it's Jesus' righteousness that has delivered you and me from hell, and it's not your righteousness and mine. When we remember to say every day in our Christian life, regardless of our accomplishments in the kingdom of God, and again, the good deeds in your life and mine, when we say, but God, you don't owe me a thing. You don't owe me eternal life. The very fact that we admit it and we say, this is a conviction of mine, we are saying what? We are saying, now I know that it's the righteousness of Christ that has delivered me from hell, not my own righteousness. Isn't that what the scripture saying? Jesus, who was God's Son, who was holy and without sin, came into this world. Being the eternal Son of God, he was bigger than you and I and the entire human race. He was of more value. He came into the world and born of the Virgin Mary without sin. And he on the cross, he died for our sins. And when he, who was big enough, when he bore hell and damnation in your stead and mine, he merited a perfect righteousness. And that's the righteousness that God accepted and proved by his resurrection. That righteousness and the righteousness of Jesus alone, that's what delivers you and me from hell. But if in your Christian life and mine we forget this and we stop saying to ourselves, I am an unprofitable servant. God, you don't owe me a thing. You don't owe me eternal life or anything that I've done in your kingdom. When we can say that, then we're going to be spared this tragedy of turning our backs on Jesus and of losing the deliverance from eternal death and eternal darkness. Sometimes we may say, what's the difference whether I'm lost or not? What's the difference whether I spend eternity in hell? But I can't help but remember what Jesus said about Judas. When Jesus went and took his own life, unrepentant to the end, and Jesus said about him, it would have been better for that man if he had never been born. Hell must be hell if again to be delivered from it and then to lose it and to spend an eternity in hell that Jesus said it would have been better you had never seen the light of day. Uh, therefore, no wonder Christ says, I plead with you, my followers. And he was talking to his own that day. He said, will you, and I urge you, never forget for a moment when you look at your Christian life, when you've done everything that I've commanded you and you've done your duty, always say to yourself, but I am an unprofitable servant. God, you don't owe me a thing. God, you are not obligated to me. I have no claim on you for eternal life whatsoever. When we do the, here is, here is a preventive, here is an antidote that will keep you and me, that we will not forget the fact that it's Christ's righteousness. And also Jesus would remind us that then and only then will we never forget that it's the righteousness of Christ that has brought eternal life and heaven as a gift for us. It is not your righteousness and mine. If in your Christian life and mine we begin to say, God, look what I've done in my life. Look what I've accomplished for you. Look at the good deeds that I have done. The fine things. Look at the moral life that I have lived. Look at the merciful things that I have done to my fellow man. Look at the cost again that I have given. Look at the things that I have endured. And if we forget for the moment to then say, but listen, you don't owe me a thing, God. You are not under any obligation to save me for all that I've done, doing what you've commanded in my duty. Jesus says, when we can say that, then here is an antidote to this that we're going to then say, because after all, it's not my righteousness that brings heaven. It's the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It was God's Son, wasn't it? He who came into the world, who by his death on the cross, he merited a perfect 100% righteousness for all of us, that in that righteousness there is heaven and eternal life, not in your righteousness and mine, because we have none. All of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And when in our Christian experience we can say to ourselves, God, you don't owe me a thing because of that. Oh, we're going to be spared this horrible tragedy of turning our backs on Jesus Christ and losing him. 
It must be a horrible thing to lose heaven. Sometimes we may say, does it make much difference whether I shall spend eternity with God in heaven or not? When Jesus said one day about it to try to get us to think, he said, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What would you have if you actually gained the whole world? You had all the pleasures the world could offer. And you and I know that in the pleasures of life, whatever they are, the fine things they never satisfy, there's always that yearning, isn't there? There's always something... God made us so that nothing satisfies even the good things in life. The only satisfaction that we have is Jesus Christ. Isn't that right? And therefore, what a tragedy it would be if you and I as Christians, we would forget to say when we look at our lives and say, God, look at the deeds. And oh, there ought to be a lot of them. Look at what I've done. Look at the fine thing. Look at the merciful thing. Look what I have endured. But Jesus said, oh, please, when you look at your life, when you have done what I've commanded you, and when you've done your duty, always be sure to say and never forget it. But God, you don't owe me salvation. You don't owe me a thing, God. I am an unworthy, I am an unprosperous servant, and therefore, God, uh, you don't owe me one thing. You are not under obligation. I am unworthy of it. And Jesus says, and, and never forget it. Always say it. Never let it be gone, because it saves that tragedy. And we may say, is it that important that in your life and mine, when we look at our Christian lives and we say, uh, I've done a lot of nice things for you, Lord. I've done a lot of good things. I've done a lot of merciful things and kind things. And I've endured a lot, Jesus. Oh, fine. But Christ says, remember, always say this. Never forget it, please. But I'm an unprofitable servant. God, you don't owe me salvation. Why? Because Jesus says, here is an antidote. Here is a preventive that will cause you and me never to forget that salvation is by the grace of God and not by one good work on your part and mine. We use this word grace a lot, and it has a number of different meanings. We know it means love. We know it means undeserved love. But when we talk about salvation and we say salvation is by grace, what do we mean? We mean this that the entire salvation has been bought and paid for through Jesus Christ alone without Christ wanting one good deed or one good work from me or from any man. It was all done by him. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Grace means this, that salvation comes to us not as a reward of something we have done, not the result of any deeds of mercy and kindness, but by God's grace, God paid for it in the blood of his Son, paid for in full before you and I were ever born. And when we say to ourselves in all the deeds of our life, oh God, you don't owe me a thing. You don't owe me salvation. Then we're going to remember this is an antidote lest we forget that salvation is by grace. It's through faith, not by our deeds. And when we can say to ourselves, God, I've done a lot of things for you in the kingdom. I've done a lot of good works, a lot of deeds of mercy and kindness, but you don't owe me a thing. You don't owe me eternal life. Then we're going to be saved the tragedy of really saying to God, God, I want you to save me not because of your grace, but I want to be saved on the basis of your justice. How many of us want to be saved on the basis of justice? God, you owe it to me. You owe it to me. Look what I've done. Look what I've done in the kingdom. You owe me salvation and eternal life. And God said, do you want me to give it to you on the basis of justice and not on the basis of grace, not on the basis of my mercy, not in exchange for sorrow for sin, and just by putting your trust in Jesus, you want me to do it on the basis of justice? And then God says, you know what justice means? And God says to you and me this morning, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. God says, you want me to save you on the basis of justice, that I owe it to you, have you ever thought an evil thought? And you and I'd have to say yes. And God say, if you thought an evil thought, uh, again, you're not perfect. You're a sinner. My justice damns you. I have to. It's all, all I can do. Have you ever spoken an evil word? And God have got to say yes. Have you ever done an evil deed? And you and I would have to say yes. Have you ever left undone a deed of mercy and kindness that you could have done? And we'd have to say yes. And God say, you want me to save you on the basis of my perfect justice? On the basis of justice, I must damn you forever to hell. The only way I can save you is on the basis of grace. You see, it's so important, isn't it, in your Christian life and mine? Because, you see, salvation is by grace. And the only way we're going to remember that is when we're going to say to ourselves at the close of every day, whatever we have done in the good things that we have done in our Christian experience, 
in the merciful things and the kind things and the things we've endured and the hardships and again the sacrifices we have made that we keep on saying, but listen God, you know me a thing. I am an unworthy, undeserving servant. You don't owe me salvation in eternal life. You're not obligated. I have no claim on you whatsoever. Jesus says, never forget it. Why? Because only then, when we can keep this thing in mind, do we realize, and will this be an antidote that will not forget the fact that all of the deeds in your life and mine, they are meant to be our expressions of thanks to God for having saved us in Christ. They are not meritorious in any way, shape, or form. When in your Christian experience and mind we begin to feel that God's our sort of obligated to us and God owes us something, we are saying to God, God, my works are meritorious. These are meritorious works that earn something, that I've got some merit and therefore you owe me heaven. What is the purpose of the works in your life and mine and the deeds of mercy and kindness? The word of God assures us this is our way of saying thank you. This is our way of saying Christ. I am so grateful that you have saved me that the only way in which I can show it is in my life, in the deeds, in doing my duty, in doing the things which you have commanded me. And all oh, that saves a horrible tragedy if we forget it in our Christian experience and got the idea that God owes us something. It means we're going to stand before Christ at the last day and Jesus is going to say, I'll spew you out of my mouth. I don't even know you. Why? Because you and I don't know him. How many of us don't know him? We just don't know him. Somehow or other, we've got the idea that we look at our lives and what we've done and oh, we feel God is so obligated that God can't, God owes it to us in the world. People say to me, how do you know that Christianity is true? Do you realize there's only one religion on the face of the earth that's a religion of grace where God has done it all in the person of his son and God says, here, it's a gift. All other religions say you've got to work for it. You've got to strive. You've got to do it by your deeds. You've got to sacrifice. You've got to go out and you've got to keep on and on. How do I know it's true? It's true because it's the great revelation of grace. It must have come out of heaven. You and I could never have conceived a God so gracious and merciful and kind that God, apart from you and me, not one work on our part, prepares salvation in the person of his son and says, here it is. And isn't it a joy when we say, I'm going to remember this in my Christian life. I'm going to see to it that there's never a day. I don't care what I do for him that I'm ever going to say to myself, God, you owe me something. You owe me eternal life. And oh, then... There's this joy that in this religion of grace, if you and I have been stuffed shirts and we have felt that God's obligated to us, isn't it a wonderful thing that there is forgiveness with him? You know, Satan has two ways of getting you and me to be lost. One is to get us to throw ourselves to the world, to go out and live to the world in immorality and incest. And the other one is to make you and me feel that God's obligated to us, that we've been so good and so wonderful, and that again, God owes it to us. And when in your life and mine we begin to feel that God owes us something, that God's obligated to us, that means that we have spurned Jesus Christ and Calvary. How many of us don't know him? We've spurned him. You know, Paul was that way. Some people had the idea that the Apostle Paul was an immoral man before his conversion. He wasn't. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. There was a man that had the idea, God, you owe me salvation. Look me over until he met his Christ on the Damascus way. Then he was able to cry out, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Oh, what work righteousness can do. But there is forgiveness even for that. To stand and to say, God, I haven't thrown my life in immorality, but oh, I have spurned your son. I have felt in my life that you owe me something. And then to be able to turn to Jesus Christ and to his grace and say, forgive me. Forgive me that I have spurned you. You are the only way. And then there comes this joy, the joy again that in your Christian experience and mine, we can have the hope of salvation based upon God's grace. On what do you and I base our hope of eternal life? Is it on the basis of what we've done? On the basis of our deeds? When again, our righteousnesses are as filthy rags? If so, that's a horrible basis, isn't it, when death comes? But oh, if we can base it on the grace of God, on something that God has done in Christ and that we have accepted him as our Lord and Savior. This is certainty, isn't it, in the changes that come in life. And God knows there's going to be changes in your life and mine in the next couple of months. Who knows what they're all going to be? I don't know. But I do know this, that you and I don't like change, do we? 
It bothers us to uproot, doesn't it? It bothers me. It's a heavy heart. And yet I do know this, that when you and I have Christ, we have the grace of God, that there is always this peace and this certainty that we are saved and that we know him and that we have eternal life. And this cries tears, doesn't it? And this gives us hope and all of the changes when the shadows begin to lengthen. And we look out and the future seems so uncertain that we can still say, but oh God, the God of grace. And therefore, in Jesus, I put my faith and my hope and my trust that we can walk the glory road then and sing the song of grace. This is the song that we must sing when we have said to ourselves, I'm never going to forget for a moment that God doesn't owe me salvation in spite of all the things that I have done for him. We can sing someday the silver cord will break and I as now no more shall sing but all the joy when I shall wake within the palace of the king and I shall see him face to face and tell the story saved by grace and I shall see him face to face and tell the story saved by grace. Amen. The peace of God which passeth all human understanding, keeping unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus and the life everlasting. the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life amen
Father, we give thee but thine own, whatever the gift may be. All that we have is thine alone. A trust, O Lord, from thee. Amen. God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, we worship thee for thy manifold wisdom, thy mighty works, and thy perfect holiness. But especially do we praise thee for our reconciliation to thee through the sufferings and death of thy dear Son, which thou didst most awesomely purpose in eternity, that we through faith in him might enter with confidence into thy presence and bring to thee our prayers and petitions. Out of the infinite bounty of thy surpassing goodness, grant unto us, whoever stand in need of thy help and mercy, thy spirit and grace, bestow upon us the intelligence that leads to a due sense of thy majesty and power, and the holy fear which is the foundation of all true wisdom. Unfold to us thy overflowing liberality by providing for the wants and necessities of this present life. Let thy mercy descend upon us as the morning dew giving us life and breath, health and contentment, and deliver us from every kind of danger to body and soul. But above all, we entreat thee to look upon our moral frailty and spiritual weakness 
And the evil we have no power to remedy and by thy Holy Spirit to strengthen us inwardly by the gift of a true faith in Jesus Christ. Grant that he may be Lord of our lives, giving us the conviction of thy pardon and acceptance, molding our wills to thy will, purifying our emotions, quickening our consciences and cleansing the springs and the principles of our actions by dwelling in our hearts in faith and love. Be with our president this day and all who are in authority. Do thou watch over our land and our loved ones. Especially, Lord God, we pray for our sons and our daughters in the armed services of our country. Give them strength this day. We especially remember those who are missing in action or those who are in prison camps. Do thou watch over them, Lord Jesus, thou who art still the ruler of the universe. We are grateful that thou hast in thy mercy and in thy love permitted Mr. and Mrs. Carl Dune to this day celebrate their golden wedding anniversary. We pray thy continued blessing upon Carl and Lucille, that Lord God, that if it be thy will, that they may have many more days of joy. In our weakness, do thou, Lord Jesus, be our strength. And as we seek to do thy will in all things, we remember thy promise that as our days, so shall our strength be. Bless this congregation. Bless us as its pastor. May all things be down to thy glory. We pray that thou wouldst be with Jerry, our choir director, in the sudden loss of his mother last night. May there be comfort in every hour. We pray in Jesus' name. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let us continue standing and let us sing hymn number 385. My hope is built on nothing less but Jesus' blood and righteousness.
Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.